All right, welcome back to Preachers in the Truth. Reverend Jacob Walker here. I'm here with Reverend Mikey Smith. Uh, we're coming to you. Uh, just going to go ahead and put a disclaimer out. Uh, this episode and the next episode, uh, we're going to be talking and getting into the crucifixion, which is the main reason that Christ came. Um, so we're going to be talking about how crucifixion actually went down and everything. So it's going to be a little bit uh, explicit, gore. Um, you know, we're not having a video or anything, but we're going to be discussing about how they actually did stuff. So just a little disclaimer to let you guys know, um, that's what's going on. So if you don't want to listen, you know, you can go ahead and skip this episode, but this is basically what we're going to be discussing. But before we get started, um, we're going to go ahead and have prayer. Our heads, most precious heavenly father, Lord God, we thank you for another day. Lord God, we thank you for all that you've done for us as your children, God, we ask you to bless this podcast that it may reach someone in need, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to continue to bless our church, Lord, and bless our families. And, Lord, help us, God, to to make it home safely, Lord, and to our next appointed time. We love you. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. And amen. Amen. All right. And uh, we're going to be getting started in Matthew, the 26th chapter. But before we do that, I'm just going to read one thing. Um, just because it just goes with exactly where we're going with this. It's kind of been our theme through the last three or four podcasts. But um, it's John three sixteen, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might, might be, be saved. saved. Amen. And we're going to go ahead and get started we're gonna start with the passover feast uh where uh this discussion is gonna start out and then we're gonna go into the garden and that but before we really start talking about it brother mikey you want to go ahead and uh read yeah so we'll be in matthew 26 26 and this is the uh last supper and in this jesus is trying to explain to them what's going to be going down right what's going to be happening right. Said, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of this vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you in Galilee. We'll go ahead and uh, stop there just for a second. We're going to read more. Um but I just want to hit on to a few key points. So first off, they're sitting down, and the Passover was a Jewish feast that was to represent the um, angel of death passing over them. Right. Um, again, this is when they had to paint the lamb's blood on the doorpost. Yeah. Um, back when they were in bondage of Egypt. And so, of course, Christ was Jewish, so he was celebrating this with his disciples and that but he begins to break the bread and i want you to understand that what he is saying here is he's 
starting to show them that there is a new way. Mm-hmm. There is a new covenant that's being made, and it's being made through him. Right. Um, you know, the old one was through Abraham. Right. But now this covenant is through him, and this covenant's going to be the one that's going to be good enough. Right. You know, and they're kind of in... They're kind of laid back at this point. I don't believe they're really expecting anything to happen, what's about to happen. Because, you know, it says they sang a hymn. And, you know, I mean, when you're singing a hymn they're in feasting and that, it's kind of hard to, like, be downhearted. So I right. don't believe they're really grasping what Christ has been saying to them. And they're not grasping what's about to happen right coming up because they're going about i don't know about you but when i get when i know something's going gonna happen or i'm getting anxious i'm not eating i'm not you know singing i'm not you know yeah i'm anxious i'm sitting there tapping my foot or pacing or you know just my mind's a wreck kind of thing so (laughs) but you got anything you want to add on to that well i mean that's 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 it man like um these guys were celebrating. To this, this was a celebration. Right. Right. They were celebrating what took place, like you said, when Moses, you know, on the, the plagues that hit Egypt. And Christ was using it for the covenant, the new covenant. And he even tells them, if you skip down in the 31st verse, he says, Y'all shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. He's telling them right there, they're going to kill me. Right. And all the sheep are going to be scattered. Like you have, you've got to understand that he's telling them, "Look, be prepared, because mm-hmm. this is happening. It is, it is now that this is happening. Everything I've, I've, I've right. led and everything I've told you from this day forward is your lives are about to change." You right. Know? And they don't. I think they they understood what he was saying as far as, yeah, we know that you said you're going to die and and this or that you're going to. You know, you came for a purpose. I don't think they realized that it was happening now. Like, this happened. Like, right then, now. Yeah, this happened, <laughs> and then shortly after this is when he went into the garden and got arrested, and it was it was going, you know? Right, right. It was, he, he knew that this was, <clears throat> his days on earth were numbered. Num- right. He knew that his time was coming, and... He's trying to get it across to them, and they're they're not really grasping it. And we're gonna read that as uh, here in a second. But and he says, "And ye shall be offended because of me this night." In other words, he's saying you're you're gonna be distraught, you're gonna be denying me, you're gonna be, you know. And then when he says, "I will smite the shepherd," now that's very important, right? Um, he didn't say that the Pharisees were going to do it. Yep. He didn't say that, yep. you know, the Sadducees or the Romans. He said, I will smite the shepherd. Right. In other words, and we're going to get into more of this, you know, next week. But he's saying, this is me. I'm doing this. I'm yep. allowing this to happen. Yep. You know, yep. no one else has That's a good point. to do anything. It's a good point. It is. It, you know, I just caught on to that. I was, I was reading it. It says, I will smite the shepherd. In other words, I'm going to lay down my life a ransom for many. Yep. And he says, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. What happened after Christ's crucifixion? The disciples scattered. They did. They ran and they hid. Yep. Um, yep. They were afraid. You yeah. know, they were afraid they were going to get arrested and be next. It, it, exactly. And, you know, it's because, you know, when they don't have their, 
they don't have anybody their leader there the person that they look to the person that they've been following for years right you know it's not like they just met this guy they had been with christ for years right you know day in and day out right we're not talking like oh you know like me and mikey will see each other at work in passing and you know we might see each other at the store and we'll see each other on sunday for church it was day in and day they, out yeah they lived this life 24 hours right. a day they were with him yeah you know so of course it was going to throw a wrench in their pans, plans but it says but after i am risen again i will go before you into galilee um and again they're still not grasping it you know it's kind of like and me and mike you were talking about this earlier uh you know christ is laying it out and he's not denying anything he's telling them exactly verbatim what is going to happen yeah. he's told them countless yeah. times and they're still not catching on you know it's like when i was in high school i had a teacher he would give us a study guide for our exam and he said finish it and you had to complete it if you didn't complete it you didn't get to use it on the exam well you completed it you turned it in he passed them back out and he went over any answers you got wrong and he told you to write the right answer in well, when we got our exam, he handed out the study sheets, and it was verbatim the exact same thing. Question one was the exact question on the study guide. Yeah. So you were going to get 100% on that exam no matter what as long as you put in the work and actually did it and caught on to what was going on. Right. So this is what Christ is doing. He's telling them word for word what's going to happen, and they're not getting it. They're right. not catching on he's showing them same thing with that teacher he was like listen you're really gonna want this study guide for this exam right like this study guide will be a huge difference in your grade and yeah. some kids were just like i'm not doing it they weren't catching on to what he was saying and i'm gonna let you go in a little bit <laughs> on detail on what's going on here too <laughs> let me go now yeah i mean if you want to read a little bit more before you start yeah. talking that's fine he said, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Now, this here always gets me because, you know, Peter, Peter had an attitude. Right? Yeah. Peter, Peter was, was very cocky. Peter was a person that you did not mess with. He was not somebody that took anything lightly, right? Right. So for him to say that <clears throat> was he meant it. Mm -hmm. He did he didn't just say that to say it. He was saying, Hey, I'm gonna protect you till they till they kill me, right? Right. That's how he would that's kinda how Peter's character was. But then when Jesus says this to him, you know, that before the rooster crows, which is before daybreak you're going to deny me thrice. You think Peter believed him? I don't. I don't think Peter believed him. Obviously he didn't, right? Mm -hmm. But when you follow that through or when we read on down, you're going to find out that he actually did deny him three times because of his own fear, right? right? But another thing that's going on here is, is, like you said with the study guy, Christ is... Always, he's always been trying to prepare them. There's scripture in John that says, you know, 
these things I have spoken of you. He, he, this is stuff that he's constantly telling them, right? Mm-hmm. He's constantly saying it. And this isn't the first time they didn't get it, right? They, they didn't get it every time that he said something. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll read some more. So Peter said unto them, or unto him, thou, or though I should, should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. So he... He said flat out, "I'll die with you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny you, right?" Mm-hmm. So then, he and so did all the other disciples. There's like, "There's no way that we're gonna ever deny you, Christ. There's no way." Right. Then it says, "Then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go pray yonder.'" So this is now after the supper, right? They are in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, you guys sit here and wait. I'm going to go pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith unto him, unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. <clears throat> so Jesus wanted them to be there to watch while he prayed, right? Because I believe Jesus... Not that every time Jesus prayed wasn't humble, but I believe that this time he was not going to pay attention to the surroundings around him, right? He was right. He was going in-depth with God. He wanted to make sure that what he was doing and about to do was the full plan of God, that he was in the full will of God, and he was. this was going to be completely... He was going to be completely encased in that, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why he said, "You guys watch, because I'm not going to be able to watch. I'm not going to. I'm going to be completely caught up in conversation with the Father, right? Right. That's what I believe. I believe that too, brother. It, it's a very when he went into the garden, he was he knew his time was there. Yeah. And excuse me, but. I still think he was also using that as a way to still teach and show his disciples. Um, you know, right. that when you're heavy, and this is how we're supposed to be as Christians, when your brother or sister is heavy and burdened down with something and that, you're supposed to go with them. You're supposed to pray with them. Right. You, you know what I mean? And this is what he was wanting them to do, was to watch and to pray with them. Right. And, you know, us as Christians today, we need to, and we fail at that a lot, we need to be out there with our fellow Christians, lifting them up in prayer. Right. And, you know, also keeping watch for them. You you know, sometimes, you know, when you're doing work for God, you can be so involved with it, you don't see other things, and us other Christians are supposed to point out what's happening. Right. You, You know what I mean? So I think he was also using this as, instruction even though he did want that one-on-one and he was pouring his heart out to his father he still everything that christ did he still made it into a way where he could instruct his disciples yeah right because he didn't have to tell them that he was sorrowful and heavy right right? he could have just said you guys pray with me and and watch for me i'm gonna go pray right instead he was like i'm sorrowful i'm heavy and then he, I believe they understood the emphasis as to how important this was to him, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to 
to get encased in that conversation, right? Because he didn't have to tell him. You see what I'm right. trying to say? And where was I? Susan's debut began sorrowful and very heavy. Then say that to them, I... Yeah, so 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. <clears throat> That's important right there, mm-hmm. right? Because Christ was God, too. You see what I'm saying? Right. Christ was, Christ was God... And he was also the son, right? Right. So, and he was also man. So he had that same, that same fear, that same um, anxiety, that same feeling about what was going to happen, right? He he knew what was going to happen, but he clarifies here and he says, you know, if it be possible, let something else, let there be something else, right? Mm-hmm. Th- that can that can do what we need this to do. But then he said, let, or he said, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but thou wilt. Meaning, you have your way, and I'm going to be obedient to that way. You right. have your will, and I'm going to be obedient to that. Basically saying, God, if there's anything else that can be done, let it be done, but I'm going to do this regardless. If right. not, I'm not backing out. I'm not asking you to... to Get me out of this. I'm just asking you, if there be another way, let it happen. But I'm 100% in, and I'm 100% willing, right? And that makes me think of us for a minute. Let's let's just go on a little tangent here. How many times, or how, how much easier, Jake, would things be sometimes if we would just say, God, I'm 100% in. I'm 100% right. in. You know, in preaching and singing and teaching and, and just communicating with other people, if we just woke up in the morning and said, God, it might be a tough day today. You know, I might encounter the enemy quite a bit, but it doesn't matter because I'm 100% in. Your will, not mine. Right. How much easier would our life be? How much better would it be? See, everything Christ did was to lead by example. And right there, he led by example because... I tell you, you don't know pressure like the man was facing right here. Mm-hmm. You don't know that kind of pain, that kind of agony like he was feeling in his soul, right? Right. And you're going to get a little deeper in that, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to take that from you. I'm going to let you talk <clears throat> about that. But right. he had this emotion that was over flooding, right? Mm-hmm. And he still showed us what to do in those instances that, you have to be 100% in with God no matter what the outcome will be. Jake, there might be a day, and I'll shut up after this, but there <laughs> might be a day where it will cost us our life to stand and preach the Word of God. Right. But, Jake, I promise I'll be 100% in on that day. I will too, brother. Because God has done so much for me that I will never not stand for God. You know what I mean? And I know that's a exactly. bold proclamation to make, but... That's what Christ did, right? Mm-hmm. He took death, and he didn't have to. Exactly, and it's one of those things where you got to really understand where he's coming from and why he's so burdened down and getting into it. And I like what you said about if we would just, you know, submit to God's will. Um, this might be a bold <coughs> statement to make, but I'm going to go ahead and make it. 
99.9% of all Christians, it saddens me to say this, I hate to say this, are not all in with God. Right. You know, not each and every day of our lives. Um, you know, We're included in that. We, we are. I, I'm not, you know, going to take myself off of that list. That's why I said 99.9. I'm not the 0.01%. I can tell you that right now. Right, right. Um, I know a few people who came close, but, you know, we don't really truly submit everything to God. No. And, you know, that's why we always end up having these I know I issues. I, I know I don't either, brother. And, you know, his disciples, and we'll read later on, where they they weren't really 100% in. And mm-hmm. Christ was telling them to pray for a reason. He was telling them to pray the same reason he tells us to pray. You know, you need to be in conversation with God because the tempter will come. And you know what? He he was trying to tell them, you got to prepare yourself for this because he's going to come and he's going to try He's going to try to divide you even more. Yeah, I'm not going to be walking the earth to protect you from it. Exactly. You're going to have to seek me out. You're going to exactly. have to pray. You're going to have to build your strength through all the direction that I've led, all the all the words that I've spoken. Exactly. And if not, you're going to fall just like Peter. You know, Peter fell. He denied him three times. Why did Peter deny him three times? Well, first off, Christ did predict it. Um, So you know it was going to happen because Christ said it was going to happen. But even more so, as I I read this and I look at it, I see where even my own faults and where, you know, not like me denying Christ, you know, but we fall into this trap because we're not prayed up. We're not prepared for the enemy. Mm. You know, we're not preparing for it like we should. Right. You know, I, I believe Christ said that because he knew that Peter, when he came back after praying and we'll read that in a second, was going to be asleep. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't taking thought of it. They weren't concerned with it. You know, I still believe in their minds. They really didn't think it was going to happen. They think, ah, he's, He's just anxious because they've tried to arrest him. And, yeah. you He's know. speaking on a metaphorical level. I believe they didn't understand that he was talking physically, that he was right. physically saying, I am going to be taken and I am going to be crucified. You know, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. You're I, good. You're good. I, I Go on. Cabber jaw right now. But <laughs> I just believe that they thought it was a spiritual thing because Christ made a lot of spiritual connections, right? He did. But the one thing about Christ is he always clarified as to what he was talking about. And never once did he make this about spirituality he said i'm going to be taken for the sacrifice of mankind that's going to happen right and and you you see that when you go into verse 31 it says um and this is going to get to the point that i'm going to be making about him praying in the garden it says then he took unto him the 12 and said unto them behold we go up to jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. I'm going to stop there. I'm in Luke chapter 18, verse 31. I forgot to say that, I believe. Um, so, but I'm going to go on. And it says, For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. Mm-hmm. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things, and his saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. In other words, they were confused by it, but they weren't going to ask questions. They weren't going to inquire about it. They're just, okay, he's just talking to that. He literally said word for word what was going to happen. Yeah, he did. 
what did they do? They the Sadducees took him in the garden. We're going to get to that in a second. They mocked him. They spit on him. They uh, believe they put something over his face and blindfolded him and slapped him and said, "If you're the son of God, you know, tell us who slapped you." Yeah, you know, he yeah. was made a mockery of, and then he was turned over to the Gentiles. He was given to the Romans. Yeah. And you know, and what did they do? They scourged him. Yeah. Literally, Pilate sent him to be scourged. Yeah, we'll get more in depth with that too. Right. Pilate did that to wash his hands of it because Pilate legitimately in his heart believed Christ didn't do anything wrong. Right. Right. But he knew that if he didn't do this, that the Pharisees had power enough to create a issue. havoc, an issue right. to where there would be bloodshed on his hand. And he was a governor and he didn't want to answer to the emperor for having to slay a bunch of Jewish people. Right. Exactly. And that's. I don't think Pilate was afraid of them overtaking the Roman force that was there because that would have never happened. But what it was is he was afraid of the repercussions on himself, right? Right. Answering to the emperor saying, oh, yeah, I kind of let things get out of hand here. Right? right. Why did you not keep them in check when at the beginning? Right. And that's that's kind of the situation that Pilate was in. We're going to get way more in depth with all of that, right? Right. But... It just goes to show you, like, he, he's laying it out. So when he's in the garden, I've heard a lot of Christians say it was the human side of him that was afraid of dying. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I could understand and see where they're coming from from that. And because, you know, this, and it doesn't say it in Matthew. I believe it says it in Luke. I'll have to look that up. But um, it says that his sweat actually became his blood. Um, and this is known as hermatidrosis. I believe I pronounced that right. Uh, not a doctor, so. Um, but basically, it's a condition. It's a rare condition that happens when you're in extreme stress. Basically, the blood vessels in your sweat glands break. And when you're bleeding, your sweating is actual blood. You're actually bleeding, you know, sweating blood. Um, and it's a very rare occurrence, but it happens under extreme, extreme stress. And I say that because I don't think that Christ was afraid of death. No. I, I, I don't believe that whatsoever. I don't believe that he was afraid because he said many of times that I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it back up. He constantly spoke and stated, I have to die. I have to be, you know, killed in order for you guys to have life and life more abundantly. So why in the garden praying was his human emotions taking over him? And I don't believe that was it either. I believe what Christ was experiencing at that point was the anxiety of what was to come on the cross. And what was to come on the cross was something that he had never experienced before. He had never had to experience before. And thank God because he went through with it, we now never have to experience it unless we choose to reject Christ. And what that is, is I believe he was fearing the absence of the Father. Because you will read and we'll get into depth in that next week too. I know we keep saying we'll get in depth and then we keep talking about it in that, but what I'm getting at and oh and Mikey looked it up for me, it's Luke twenty two 
So, and I'll let him go ahead and read that in a second. But what I'm getting at is there was a separation between God and Christ in that moment when he took upon our sins. Amen. You know, and the Bible says that the sky was rent black. Um, God basically turned his back Mm. because he could not look upon the sin. And, you know, when you think about that, what's really amazing out of that, and I believe that is what he was fearing in the garden, but yet he still faced it so that you and I will never have to be alone. Right. There, there's not one moment in my life since I accepted Christ that I am without Christ, that That's I am not with. I, I always have with me God the Father, God the Son, and, and God, God the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. You know, even on my deathbed, I will have all three with me. That's right. And you know what? When I open my eyes after, you know, passing over, I will be in the presence of all three. I will never be away from them at any point in my life. Amen. You know, and if, you know, if you are away from them, it's because you chose it. You right. do not have, Christ did this so that we would not have to. We did not have to have that separation with the Father anymore. Right. And, you know, so that's why I think he was so. The reason he was fearful of it, because, you know, the past, the cup to pass from me is that separation, like, but I want your will be done. But if there's any other way, is there any way that I can do this that I don't have to be away from you? Right. You know, I mean, God was there from the very beginning. We already discussed this last podcast, how or a couple podcasts ago, where we thought, you know, now that we thought, I, I fully believe it, but Christ was there in the beginning. Oh yeah, amen. You know, so yeah. the and you'll we'll read and get further into this too. But you read in the Bible where it says that the plan of salvation was laid before the foundation of the earth. Right. So you can't tell me that Christ was afraid of death. Right. You know, how, why would you be afraid of something if you knew the outcome? The the outcome. Right. You know? He was the only one one hundred percent that knew the outcome because even right. the disciples either chose to believe him. Or chose not to believe him, but still deep down, they didn't know 100%. No, they didn't. You know what I mean? But he knew 100% the mm-hmm. outcome. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. You're, you're good. Keep going. You know, so, and let me ask you this question. Do you think that that was on familiar territory for Christ? The whole separation between God? Like that was something that was uncharted for him, correct? Like he, he didn't know how that was going to feel. It, it, exactly. I believe that's why he was so fearful of it because... He'd been with God from the very beginning. His entire walk on this earth, God was always with him. I mean, you look at when he was baptized, the Bible says, you know, the sky opened up and they heard a voice and it says, this is my son and who I am well pleased. That is remarkable you to know? think about that. Right. And he's always conversed with him. He's always been there for them. He has never left his side. But yet in this moment, when Christ is going to fulfill the Father's will, He's going to be without the Father, wow. you know. So you, you know it, it, it's crazy to think about that because it is. and it's blowing my mind right. for a second. Because and it's the, uncharted territory for him because you, Christ and God they know all right, but right. there was something that Christ didn't know how that was going to feel, and he was afraid of that. You know what I mean? And that's right. That's what he was so anxious about in the garden because you can't. Again, people like to bring up. Well, it was the death. He wasn't afraid of death. You can't tell me that. He no. even said, when we go back, when we read in Matthew, he says, he's going to 
Yeah, he slay knew the shepherd. That he had the power. Right. He's, yeah. He he said, "I'm going to do this." It was you know? the point where God had to turn his back that he didn't exactly didn't know. And you say, you know, where the sky went black, and I believe it was deeper than that. I believe mm-hmm. there was earthquakes and there was all kinds of stuff. Oh, when I God believe turned so his too. Back. And think about that for a second, right? I don't think we've ever experienced anything, even even the trauma that happens in the world all across the world. I'm not selling anybody short for anything they've ever been through as far as earthquakes and storms and tornadoes and all these different things. But right. I do not believe in my heart that this earth has ever experienced another moment like that. Oh, I, I don't believe it has. Where God it? has actually taken his right. eyes off of this planet. And I, I, I believe that because it was, I believe it was something to where it shook him so bad, Jake, that people knew. Right, because even the the Roman soldier that crucified him said, "Surely this was the Son of God," because that moment when God turned His back, the havoc that went crazy, mm-hmm. people knew something big had just happened. That this right. was not a normal man at that point. Exactly, and especially because I mean, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but Christ was crucified at midday. Yeah, so that's usually when the sun's the yep. brightest yep. and. You know, and it says the sky was rent black, and I believe that meant like black as night. Black as night. It was yep. dark, and I believe there was earthquakes in that, and everything going on. And I believe it was the pain God was feeling of having to turn His back on His Son. Yeah, let's talk about that for you just know? a second. It wasn't only Christ that had to experience this, right? It was right? God because Himself. They are one, right? Right. So. God had some agony in this too, mm-hmm. because He had to turn His back, and that—that's remarkable. That, that is blowing my mind because we know everything in our life that we trust to God. We know God knows the outcome. God, I believe God knows my path. He knows the path I'm going to choose. He's laid the paths out, hoping that I'll make the right choice. But right. I believe that He knows beyond a shadow of a doubt the direction I'm going to take, where I'm going to end up in 25 years. He knows all of that. I know that. Mm-hmm. But this one split moment between the two of them, they didn't know how that was going to feel. I believe that. The, the more right. that I talk about that, how could he? He's never experienced it. That's something in his creation, right, that he, we've never been separated like that. The only time we're going to get separated in that creation, or you know, us being his creation, is if we go to hell. Right. And, you know, going even further into that, you know, not to blow your mind anymore, but think about this for a second. It's not only the separation, but it's the separation caused by the thing that he loves the most. His okay? creation. God God loves Christ the most. Oh, I'm sorry. The, no, I, I got what you're saying, but the thing that he loves the most, which is Christ, it's his only begotten son. Um, from the very beginning, he's been there. And there's this separation. But it's a separation caused on the thing he loves the most by the thing that he hates the most. Which is sin. Which is sin. Wow. You yeah. know, think think about that for a second. Think about, you know, and I, I don't have any kids or anything, but think about with your sons and that. You, you guys are together all the time, hanging out and everything. Like, there's not anything you wouldn't do for them in that. Not right. So, you know, when 
when you look in even deeper, well, why was the sky rent black? Well, and we've already talked about how we thought we believe there was earthquakes and everything else. Let, let me just throw this out there, and maybe I'm in left field. I could be in far left field. <laughs> okay. Do you think that it was so much that, and just hear me out on this, he turned his back, and I do believe he turned his back because he couldn't look upon the sin, but he'd been looking upon a sinful world for years. Do you think that because of, and I'm asking you this on the father perspective because you are a father. Okay. He turned his back so his wrath wouldn't kindle against the earth and that Christ could fulfill wow. what he was sent to do. That's deep, bro. That's pretty deep because of his, his sheer anger of what they did to him. Right, because right. let's face it, Christ could have called, ten, God had ten legions of angels on the ready on the ready to yeah. destroy the earth. Don't think for one minute that God couldn't destroy the earth. He said it time and time again. Even to Moses, he said, listen, I'm just going to wipe them all out and I'm going to create a generation out of you. He'd already destroyed the world once. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. do you do you think that there might be something to that? Like, and you can go even further in on it and kind of give your perspective on it. Like, Well, I mean, our creator understands us better than we understand ourselves. Right. Right. And you can't convince me that God doesn't share that same attribute as a father would. Right. You can't convince me of that because he's the perfect father, right? Right. He corrects you when you are wrong. He nourishes you and loves you when you need it. And he's always there. He's never left us, right? Mm -hmm. So he's the perfect father. So it would only make logical sense to say that when he looked at his son, the thing he loved the most, and the, the destruction that sin had caused on him, Mm -hmm. That he was angry, and right. that God's wrath would have been poured out, right? And that makes mm -hmm. a, that makes perfect sense because if it, if I were in that position, first of all, I'm a I'm a I'm a human man, right? Right. So I don't have that kind of power. What I would have done would probably fight to the death to protect my son, right? Right. But that's the same love that God has. You see, what I'm saying mm -hmm. the difference is God had all the power in the world to say it's over. He could have stopped time. He could have stopped everything by one split word exactly one word mm -hmm. and one split second everything could have been changed right that's the difference between me and god right i don't have that kind of power but the love inside me would not let my children be hurt i would die i tell them all the time that i love you and more than my own life right and it's the truth jake if somebody were to bust into my house and i try to tell avery this all the time because avery one thing that terrifies avery is a burglar or somebody coming in to kidnap him or hurt him and i'm like avery they would have to go through me first right because somebody breaks into that house i'm taking the bullet i'm taking the beating i'm doing whatever i have to do to protect you right, right? so if i was in this position and they were hurting avery and they were you know he was crucified on a cross Jake, I would do everything in my power to stop it. Exactly. So for you to ask that question, I don't see it any other way. Right. He he had to. Yeah, he had to because he could have. He could have started anew. He could have wiped it clean. And he knew what he was going to do. He knew that his son had to do this too. And again, he loved us. This Again, goes to show you how much God's love is actually for us. Oh, amen. You know, he was yeah. willing to allow this to happen to his son. Yeah. 
He would. They were both willing to endure this. Yeah. And it's something that you and me can we can discuss it. We can look at it on a viewpoint as you as a father. We can't even begin to scrape the surface of oh, imagining. No. no, I could what never happen. do this. I could never do it. Right. And, you know, it's just, you know, to me, I feel like that's part of the reason the sky was rent black, too. And this is, again, why Christ was fearful of this. Because he knew it was coming, and neither one of them had felt it. Neither one of them had experienced it. And to be honest, and I know God knows all things, I almost, you know, kind of wonder if they knew whether or not how each one was going to react. Right, because I know that you know God knows all of us and what the choices we're going to make and things like that. But it almost makes you wonder: Did they have that on the same level of each other, right, or not? And again, this is what he feared in the garden the yeah. most. It yeah. was not death, you know. He wasn't afraid of death. He knew he could raise himself back up. He knew he was going to rise again. He said it time and time again. Yeah. So. Why the fear? The separation when the sky was wearing black. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I can't even, I can't even, re, like, put into words that if this relied on me to do, mm-hmm. if, 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 my, if your salvation, Jake, as much as I love you, as much as you're my brother, as much mm-hmm. as you're my friend, as much as I would fight for you, as much as I would do what I could for you, if your salvation relied on me, to allow somebody to kill Avery so that you could go, I'm sorry, dude, but you're not going. Right. Be- that goes for anybody listening to this. If my, if me having to allow somebody to kill Avery or to kill one of my kids, mm-hmm. to sacrifice them so that th- the rest of the world would have salvation, we're all going to hell. Because right. I just couldn't do it, Jake. Right. I just couldn't do it. So I think we have to break that down some to understand that true love, man, that's mm-hmm. because God loved us so much, so much that they both were willing to do this. Right. That it's mind boggling because, I mean, as a father, there's nothing I love in this world more than my kids. There's nothing that I love more than mm-hmm. my kids. I love my wife dearly, and she would say the same thing. There's nothing that we love, though. More than our children. Right. As much as we love each other, we love our children more. Mm-hmm. And it's because they are God's perfect gift to us, right? And we are entrusted to raise them in the way that they should go. But they're also a part of me. Christ was a part of God, right? So this is so much more in depth. And there's so much more to this than I think anybody can ever understand. Right. There, There is. And it's... It really goes, and I just, you know, I keep thinking about how he said, let this cup pass from me. Yeah, because there's no person I've ever met, Jake, that could sit here and tell me that they would sacrifice their kid. Right. I would lay down my life for for people. For for you, I would, if if I had to, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because my life to me, when I'm dead, I'm in heaven, right? Right. If if I could die to, to help somebody... You know what I mean? Live, then I don't think that I would have much of an issue with that. I really don't. Right. I, just, I really don't. But for me to 
say that, okay, yeah, my kid's going to die for you? No way. No way. No way. No. And that, to me, is, I think there's a lot to that. I think that that is, as deep as that is, I think there's a lot to that. I think that God was angry. Oh, I, I believe he and was. I think that he was so angry that he was willing to let it all go. Just, I, you know what I mean? And when he turned his back, he did it so it could get fulfilled. Right. Because at that point, he was his anger was kindled. I believe that. He had to kindle his anger. You right. You know what I mean? Or bridle his anger. Because his anger, kindle means it was fury, fear, raging. Right, right. Because, and you know, because, and here's, just going into it because of the separation in that and you know he keeps saying every time he prays he says let this cup pass from me never once when christ prayed did he say let the death pass from me yeah you know he never prayed about and that's why i can't grasp you know thinking that he was afraid of the death but this separation but it really puts into and i'm going to use mikey's favorite word here i am <laughs> it really makes you truly understand what you mean when we start talking about agape agape yeah, love absolutely. see he said he had to say it before me but <laughs> what what truer love is there you know here christ is in the garden pouring his heart out to the father yeah. and at the same time saying let your will be done in other words if you cannot if there is no way you, you know you've searched through all of heaven you've you know looked through to see if there was anything else you could do but if you and you haven't found anything, so because you haven't found anything, I am still going to do this. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm still gonna go through with it. But if there's a way, I don't want this separation, but I'm willing to do it so that your creation yeah. will never have to be separated from you again. Yeah. You know? on, a, on a sidebar. You know that we're going to hear about this one, right? Because we're going to have those ones that are going to say, you know what, you're putting human attributes to God. Yeah, he's God. I understand. He's God and he's perfect. But I, I, I promise you that I feel in my heart that he well, was God, angry with God, this situation. God showed his emotions. I mean, look, like I was talking about earlier, God said that he was angry with the Israelites when they made the golden calf yeah. in that. He literally took Moses. When Moses went back up on the mount, he told Moses that I'll start a new generation out of you. Yeah. I'm just going to wipe them out. Yeah. You know, don't think that, you know, I know, yes, God is a loving God. God shows us mercy. He's also a judge. But <laughs> God also is a judge. He's He has anger. Yeah. You know, and his anger is towards sin. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's towards what Man. it does and the disobedience because of the love that he gives why you know would you still disobey him but you know if <laughs> if you really want to get into that conversation about oh well i don't think that god felt anger well god was literally going to allow his son to be crucified and take on the sins of the world okay now that's amplified by 10 of what he's feeling and let's just put this into perspective. When the Israelites were disobedient, he sent through the fiery serpents. Yep. Literally, when they were bitten, they were dead. Yeah. You know? But all they had to do was look up. Yeah. And again, now now we have that same thing though, because now all we have to do is look to Christ. 
Yep. He made a permanent solution. Yeah. Not something that, you know, eventually they ended up taking it down because the people started worshiping that yep. instead of worshiping God. So he put in a permanent position of it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore because he, he's not gonna have to worry about turning away from it and now worshiping the symbol that he put up there because Christ was fully one hundred percent God mm-hmm. and one hundred percent man. So we're worshiping when we worship Christ, we're worshiping God. You know, he took out yeah. all the human errors and our stupidity out of it for us and made it as simple as possible. But again, you can't tell me that he doesn't feel emotion when he's one hundred percent man. Right, but even God, when you're talking about God oh. showing emotion, God says many times in the Bible where his anger was kindled yeah. against somebody. One one perspective <clears throat> that I can remember is when he sent Nathan to David after David had uh, Uriah killed, right? Nathan said, God's anger is kindled at you for this, right? Right. In so many words, that's what he said. That God is angry with you, and you're going to pay for this, right? Because you're going to have nothing but battle in your family. There's nothing. Your family's going to be nothing but fighting <coughs> and war. He was talking about Absalom there. Yep. And he said the baby that you and Bathsheba are having is going to die. Though that right. is that's the God's punishment because He is angry with you. Right. He was angered against him because of his disobedience and what he had done and everything. And he was like, and he even called it out because. Bringing up that story, it kind of puts in perspective what we're talking about here. Because in that book, and when Nathan is talking to him, he's telling him about this man who overtook his poor neighbor, and he yeah, took Second Samuel yeah. chapter twelve, and he, you know, he slaughtered his sheep and everything. And you know, David was actually angry. He said the Bible says David's anger was kindled at yeah, the man, and he said, "Who is this yep. man?" And Nathan said, "You're the one, buddy. I believe you could hurt a pen drop." Yep. And when he said that, because I believe the heart of David broke in his chest because he knew at that point, right? Right. And you know what? And this, it puts it in perspective because I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm telling Mikey as he's sitting here, and this goes for me as well. I want you to understand something. The reason the sky was rent black, the reason the earth shook, the reason there was so much pain and suffering was because of you. Yeah. You're the reason. You're the reason that Christ was crucified. Yeah. You're the reason that the sky was rent black because God could not look upon the sin. You're the reason. It wasn't Christ's sin. He was blameless. Yes. It was our sin. We are the reason that God had to turn his back. Don't Christ. waste it. Right. If you're listening to this podcast and you've been listening and you have no idea why you feel the way that you do, it's because God is knocking on your heart. You know, don't waste it. Right. He died for a purpose. That purpose was you. And I believe, and I say this mm-hmm. when I preach, if I was the only man on earth left and he knew that I wasn't going to do it or that I was going to do it, either way, he would have still went mm-hmm. and died on the cross for me. Yep. He would have gave me that opportunity. He gave that opportunity for you. He gave it for myself, my children, Everyone, right? And don't all you waste it. Do is just reach out. Don't waste it. Just take it. And you know what? And he did the, all of this for you. Think about it. We've already said Mikey wouldn't do it. If I had kids, I wouldn't be able to no, do it. No. You know, I, I'm sorry. If I was in the garden praying in that, and 
you know, and I believe as Christ was praying and his whole walk through with what we're going to talk about, he was seeing us. And I'm sorry, brother Mikey, if, if I seen you, I was going to be like, hey, you know what? He welded something crooked. I ain't doing it for him. <laughs> Here we go. No, but no, what I'm getting at is there's so many things that we're not, we can't physically do this and everything. And yet here he is pouring his heart out in the garden to the father. Yeah. About to be separated. Yeah. So that me and you will never, ever have to be separated and experience that separation. But yet there's people out there who still choose to separate themselves from God permanently. You know, you say that and immediately something came to mind and it's like, you know, there are certain things that are worse than hell and that is the separation, right? Right. Hell's bad. Don't get me wrong, right? It says there'll be be heat, there'll be... There'll be uh, flames. There'll be utter darkness, right? There'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There'll be all that stuff, right? But I think the worst part is the complete separation from God. The complete separation of God, right? right? And knowing, That's what makes hell, hell. Right, and knowing that you chose it. And it's actually, I'm going to go ahead and just say this, and we didn't know if we were going to get into this conversation, but this just leads into it, so we're going to go with it. I'm just following <laughs> the Lord here, but... I want you to think about this and understand this for a minute, okay? This separation is actually even worse than hell. Yeah. And I want you to understand why. Is because, and you can argue with me if you want, but it's in the scripture. And a little bit this is uh, a little bit more of how I believe. Some people might view it differently and everything, but don't get me wrong. Um, we're going to talk about the rich man for a minute here. And when Lazarus died and the rich man died, the Bible says that the rich man opened his eyes in hell and Lazarus went into the bosom of Abraham. Now, I want you to understand something here. Now, when Lazarus was in, he was at peace and at rest. But the rich man looked up and was conversing with Abraham. He was talking to Abraham. He could see there was a divide. There was a, a void. There was a divide. And he could see it. I'm not talking about the divide being purgatory or anything. What I'm talking about is like a physical, like a window almost. Okay. Right. And the rich man was tormented. Don't get me wrong in what I'm saying. But he could still see through that window and could speak to Abraham. And I'm going to get to where I'm going with this in a minute. I'm just kind of filling in the story. And then I'm going to let Mikey read some scripture in that on it. So you can, we're not lying to you. It's in the Bible. Yeah. Um, but he could speak to him and he said, send Lazarus back so that he can tell my brothers and, you know, my kin and everything. And Abraham tells them they have the prophets and that if they, if they're not going to listen to them, Lazarus going back, isn't going to help help. Yeah. But also Abraham didn't have the power to send Lazarus back. Right. Remember that. But yet he could still see into the void. I want you to understand that. He could still see Abraham. So as tormented as he was and as he pleaded just for one drop of water, he could still see paradise. Well, let me tell you something, what's going to happen in the end. And you can argue with me if you want. I'm like, Mike, you look up this scripture too. So there's no argument. Listen, the Bible says that hell will be cast into a lake of fire. It will be a complete separation and i believe in that separation there will be no looking through the window 
That word is Guiana. It will be a complete, absolute separation from God. Second death. That's what that means. And I want you to understand something. If you choose to reject Christ, and you know what? I'm sorry for you. I'm not ever going to have to experience this. But And you know what? I'm not even going to be able to ask you how it feels. But I can let you know this point. You want to find out how Christ felt? That's the only way to do it. Yep. Is to reject him. Because at the end of time, if you reject Christ, if you walk over the blood, oh, man. you will feel what Christ felt because it is a complete separation. Yep. I don't believe there will be any looking through like the rich man and seeing Abraham. And some people can say that, oh, it was just to put things in perspective. I believe it's just kind of like a curtain kind of thing. Um. And we're going to get more in depth, more in depth in the we're actual podcast. That, yeah. But I just, we're, we're trying to put a perspective in your mind and understanding about what this separation is. And it, it's something that we cannot obtain unless we legitimately reject Christ. That's the only way you can experience what Christ is experiencing right now and what he is so anxious about in the garden. Think about that for a minute. The only way you can experience what him and the father felt is to literally reject him. Yep. You know, and go ahead. I know you got scripture. And Well, I'm just going to read that story of the rich man. And in the Bible, it says a great gulf. Mm-hmm. There was a great gulf, you know what I mean, between the two of them. Right. And like you said, we're going to we're going to definitely have to cover this in a podcast. And, you know, I'm not going to get too much in depth yet, but there are three words that describe hell right in the bible it's hades tataras and guiana right and all three of them i believe and like i said like you said you can persecute me all you want i believe they are all three separate places Mm -hmm. so this is luke 16 verse 19 and we're going to go down through until we get to what you were talking about it says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared Sympostasly every day, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and he was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off. So there had to be some sort of distance between there the was two. Distance. But yet they're the same place mm-hmm. because you can see it, right? It's in the same place. I'll say right, it like right. that. Say in like the same that. place. Not the same place, sorry. Being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. <coughs> Excuse me. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they, that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us. That would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, 
that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I am five, I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one rose from the dead. Right. So there's, you know, I won't get too in-depth, like I said, but I believe, and me and you have had a conversation, I can't speak for you, but I believe that this is talking of Hades, which is a place where there was Abraham's bosom and there was the place of torment. And that is not purgatory. You can't buy your way out. You're never going to get into the Abraham's bosoms if you were in the other place. Right. And it goes to, and now, and we're going to get more in depth in this, obviously, um, when we do our podcast on <laughs> Easter Sunday. But um, I'll just let you in on a little detail on that, that, you know, the bosom of Abraham is no longer. Right. And that's because, you know, we'll read about where he went in and took the captive captive, yep. you know, and he took those that were in Abraham and he hit them within himself, yep. you know. So, but there was that divide but yet like he said he could still see him afar off there's no afar off once you're casting yeah, a lake of no. fire there's no it's gone. it's gone the the only hope the pleading with god is over over yeah you know he, he was pleading with abraham here you're not even gonna have that opportunity <clears throat> no you were literally going to be cast into utter darkness yep. gnashing of teeth fi- a, literally a lake of fire yeah you know yeah, the se- they call it the second death for a reason because it's we are once appointed to die, mm-hmm. right? Unfortunately, those that don't receive Christ will die a second time, but they won't die. It's a spiritual death that they will encounter, right? And what right. that means is that separation. That's exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. Once you are separate from God, your spirit is in death. It will be in death. And yeah, it will never die and wither away to nothing, but that will be death for your spirit and your soul because there will be no more connection to god who created it right exactly you'll just be you know and and again think about that just to put in perspective that christ willingly chose this separation absolutely so you didn't have to yep he chose to feel it so you wouldn't go through it Exactly. So That's he, how much he loved you. Exactly. He loved you so much that he didn't want you to feel that void yeah. of being without the Father. Yep. Because you know? without his sacrifice, we were all heading for that direction. Exactly. Because the sacrifices by the law weren't good enough. They were flawed, and that's why God sent Christ, and that's why Christ came and chose to come. Because right. they were flawed. They did not work the way that they were intended to work. Well, they... Okay, they worked the way they were intended to work. They weren't good enough. Right, they they weren't good enough to be a permanent solution. And, brother, they weren't good enough because, let's face it, man screwed up again. Yeah. You know, we, 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 you know, we, we cut up and joke around about it and everything because, you know, I've always made the joke, you know, because I had a, a person when I worked at a job or whatever, I was mad and I slammed some stuff down and, they were like, you know, as a preacher, you need to be Christ-like. And yeah. I whipped around and I looked at the lady and I was like, you know, I was like, I am. 
Christ flipped tables and chased him out of the temple with a whip. Now, that's the Jesus I'm choosing to be today. But and you know, I joke about it, but but it's the truth. We 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 messed it up again because they were literally selling the sacrifices right there. So yep. it was no longer even it wasn't even good enough to cover anything because it wasn't what God had Intended, stated right. had to be done. Yeah, went in, yeah. You know, he didn't say go and, you know, do this or do that. He specifically said, and then what they did was they were doing it inside the temple. Yeah. They were buying and they were selling. And that's when Christ, you know, he started overturning the tables and was angry. Yeah. Yeah. It says he was angry. Yeah. Because they'd made his father's house a den of thieves. And what he meant by that was they were cheating people. They were saying, oh, if you, you just go ahead and buy this so we can go ahead and take care of that thing that you did and everything else. They completely made a mockery yep. of what God was intending. So it wasn't going to be good enough because I'm just going to say it. Y'all can get mad at me if you want. But Christ was the only thing that man didn't have involvement in. Yeah. Man was involved in the sacrifice. They had yep. to raise the sheep. They had to raise the lamb up to sacrifice. That's so true. It. They had to do. They had to be directly involved with Christ. We don't have to be involved. We just have to accept it. That's it. We just have to go to Him and accept His mercy and grace. Yep. That's you know, it. we don't have to go and do this or to do that. He says, "Believe on Me, and thou shalt have eternal life." Yep. You know. We're not involved in the process. We're just Thank the receivers. God. The only the only involvement we have is seeking out Christ. And choosing to accept him. Right. That's and it. actually choosing to accept him because Christ seeks us out. Yep. So choosing to accept him is the only involvement we have. Yep. You know, you can't mess it up. No, you really can't. You can't mess up he salvation so now simple. because he made it so simple but he, and he made it so easy, but he made it a perfect and permanent way. We don't have to get involved. We just have to accept. We just have to accept Christ as our personal Savior. Yeah. And that's why it's so perfect. That's why there's no need for sacrifices anymore. That's why there's no need for us to do this or that. Yeah. Because the way was made and it was perfect. Yep. And why was it perfect? Because we had no involvement in it. Amen. And, you know, and we're going to get even more into death. I don't know if Mikey wants to read some more, if he's got any other comments, but I'm just going to say this. We are getting more in depth into it um, on our next week's podcast, which will be good Friday. But let me tell you something. You might think that there was this involvement and there was involvement from the Romans and everything else. And they did their part to fulfill the prophecy, but man was not involved with what Christ did. No. In any aspect. That's why this was the perfect sacrifice. That's a good little cliffhanger to leave for the next podcast because there's a very specific point that you're going to make mm -hmm. in that next podcast. So listen to the next podcast because there's – I think I think from this – I'm, I'm going to just say this and I'll be done, but I think from this point forward is when we're going to start really getting into the depth that we were telling people we were going to get into mm -hmm. about some of the things that might be a little bit um, – different as far as right. what we believe and stuff and this is a good segue into that and it's a good cliffhanger so i'm leaving it all right that. we'll we'll leave it at that because and i'm just gonna say it again man had no involvement Amen. um so uh 
to all our listeners out there we love you we're praying for you um hopefully you can uh tune in and uh catch the next podcast and you know you can hear the cliffhanger and you'd be like oh that's got what it. he meant got, got it. it um you know good lord willing uh we will be posting it on friday you know as long as the god allows us to be on this earth uh, yeah. we've already made arrangements to make sure we could get it and release it on friday so you don't have to worry about it you don't have to worry about well is it going to be two or three weeks because you know we we get caught up and stuff we get sick and everything else if i sound like a frog i will be in here telling you the cliffhanger yep so yep. <laughs> um yep. but we're gonna be praying for you and uh if you guys have any questions or comments even about this podcast and our future podcast you can always email us true gospel missionary baptist at gmail.com um you know look us up on facebook we're under true gospel missionary baptist church um and even on this podcast, I believe there's a way that you can message us in that. Let us know your comments, how you feel. You know, we're not going to jump you or, you know, get angry with you because you believe a different way or you don't like the way that we worded everything and stuff like that. You know, we're willing to just let bygones be bygones. <clears throat> we're just trying to spread the word of Christ. Um, but I'm going to close this podcast a little bit differently. Um, I'm going to have Mikey read. He's going to take a second to flip to his Bible, back to John 3, 16, and he's going to read it one more time. Just because I already read it, you don't have to hear my voice again saying it. Um, but this is the one thing that we want to push and start pushing because I've talked to Brother Mikey about it. And with this podcast and what we do as preachers, pastors, servants of the living God, you know, I told Mikey that I want to start acting like we're living in Matthew 24. Yeah, and that's exactly that's what it. I'm going to be doing. And the only way I know how to act in those times is to push Christ. That's and it. this, um, We're going to tell you how simple it is. This is the only thing that has to transpire. This is the only way to inherit eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. All right. It's been Two Preachers in the Truth. Until next time, God bless.